0: Welcome to Unapologetic, a podcast of Embrace Ministries, where we take a biblical approach to culture's difficult questions. So today we are talking about the Red Heifer and the Third Temple of Israel. Why is this important? How does it make sense in Christianity? So we want to welcome our listeners back to Unapologetic. This is a podcast of Embrace Ministries, and we are focusing today on something that is newsworthy. And in my personal opinion, I don't think this has gotten enough uh, news exposure, Mm -hmm. and I suppose it probably wouldn't unless it was more politically driven. Um, than than what it really is, I think it's going to be a whole lot more politically driven as things come to fruition. But today we're going to talk about that that third, or excuse me, that third temple and that the red heifer and how it's going to be sacrificed. And before we get started on our podcast, I want to make sure that we recognize our sponsor of this podcast today is Embrace Ministry Teams. If you're a part of Embrace Church and you're not serving, you ought to plug in to some ministry team, whether it's door greeting, whether it's production center, whether it's serving in the nursery, join in some way in service at Embrace Church. Was that a good commercial vote? voice I, I thought it was man it yeah was. so that's who's sponsoring today's podcast embrace ministry
1: now
0: <laughs> <laughs> we thought we'd mix it up a little bit all right so the the third temple and the red heifer and we're specifically focusing on the red heifer and i do have a few things i want to say about the third temple just in some things that i've studied about it but anyway uh i'm giving it to you guys what do y'all think
1: well we uh, first off uh you know, you said this hadn't got that much exposure, and and I agree. And I think a lot of it is, is you know, the media, of course, not pushing it. But I think at the same time, uh, you know, what what spreads a story is people catching people and people sharing it and, and all this stuff. And I think there's there's not enough people who uh, understand the significance of this, mm. uh, you know, myself included. You know, I'm, I'm a pastor, man, and um, uh, I saw what maybe I think this first started coming out a month, month or two ago. Yep. Um, and I saw a couple of, uh, other pastors posting on Facebook and I'm like, what are they talking about cows for? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, what's, what's, what's red heifer, man. What's that got to do with it? I seen a black heifer a while ago. You're, uh, but you, you passed 300 <laughs> yeah, cows passed on the way 300 to church cows this morning. Why is that Facebook significant? <laughs> you know, but, uh, I, I think that when we understand what this truly means, uh, And that it is uh, the beginning of of ushering in the second coming of Christ, or you know that's what uh, prophetically we we say about this red heifer. Um, I think we recognize then the importance of it, and I think if other people would recognize that same thing, and hopefully through this podcast they will. Maybe this
0: podcast will be spread like wildfire. Amen. And people will hear it and understand because we got an ultimate conclusion, and we'll share it worldwide. Worldwide. I mean, we can do universe wide. This can be spread to Mars and <laughs>
1: Not yet, but it's, no, coming. it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming.
0: It's coming. Okay. Well, I've heard about e- explorations to the moon and Mars. Maybe that's something we need to talk about one day. Maybe so. Extraterrestrial life. The Martians life. need Jesus. I'm gonna tell you, if there are Martians, they got to come to J- come to heaven the same way I come to heaven. And that's through Jesus. So anyway.
1: So. so,
0: <laughs> so, so the red heifer. Why is a red heifer significant? What are the qualifications that determine a red heifer being accepted by Judaism and Israel and the priest and the sacrificial system and all of that? So
1: what you got? Well, uh so the red heifer the the the, the, the what they're looking for, I've got the qualifications here of what the red heifer does. But I, I think first let me let me there's just a few verses here in Numbers 19. Let me read that real quick so we can find out what was going on with this red heifer.
0: We, we, were, we were kind of talking pre show um, very briefly, but Numbers chapter 19 is the, the anchor to all of this. You know, I was, I was looking up in Genesis chapter 15 where God instructed Abram to make sacrifices. A part of that was a heifer. Didn't specifically, to my, to my memory, say red heifer. But it spoke of heifer. There's in Deuteronomy, of course, Deuteronomy and Numbers. You, you
1: yeah, know. I've got in Numbers 19. It, it actually subtitled, King James Version subtitle of chapter 19 is the red heifer.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it, it was in my Amplified so, this morning when yeah, I was reading it. It had the same title. It says, title. And
1: the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord hath commanded, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring thee a red heifer without spot, wherein is no blemish, and upon which never came yoke. And ye shall give unto her Eleazar the priest, that he may bring her forth without the camp, and one shall slay her before his face. And Eleazar the priest shall take of her blood with his finger and sprinkle of her blood directly before the tabernacle of the congregation seven times. And one shall burn the heifer in his sight, her skin and her flesh and her blood with her dung shall he burn. And the priest shall take cedar wood and hyssop and scarlet and cast it into the midst of the burning of the heifer. Then the priest shall wash his clothes and he shall bathe his flesh in water. And afterward he shall come into the camp and the priest shall be unclean until the even. And he that burneth her shall wash his clothes in water and bathe his flesh in water and shall be unclean until the eve. And a man that is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer and lay them up without the camp in a clean place. And it shall be kept for the congregation of the children of Israel for water separation. It is a purification for sin. And he that gathereth ashes of the heifer shall wash his clothes and be unclean until the even. And it shall be unto the children of Israel and unto the stranger that sojourneth among them for a statute forever. Before you
0: make a comment on that, I just want to go on the record of saying that all four of my children's names begin with E. Easton, Eli, Emma, and Ellis. I fought for Ellis to be named Eleazar. Amen. But I lost that battle. And his name's Ellis. Go ahead. But I did get Levi, Levi Ellis. Okay, go.
1: <laughs> Side note there—that made no. <laughs>
0: it note. makes a difference yeah. to me. it added, added
1: nothing to this topic today, <laughs> but you know that—that's just the the beginning of what we see with the red heifer, and it you know it doesn't really talk about what what we're kind of leaning toward today, which is the the second com- uh, second coming of Jesus the Messiah. But you know it just tells of what the red heifer. The significance of the red heifer was for the Jewish people, you know, that it was used in a purification of sin. Mm-hmm. The ashes of the heifer was used in a purification of sin. And, and so we know that when Jesus came, he became purification of sin. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I, I think that that all kind of correlates together for us as Christians, especially. But so what the red heifer, what they're looking for in this red heifer, and even in that, you know, it said it had to be a red heifer without blemish, never put under yoke. You know, and the same thing goes for today. The what qualifies the red heifer we're looking for today is that the red heifer must be absolutely perfect in its redness. If even two hairs on this heifer are discolored, any other color whatsoever, disqualified. Man, I'd be out on that. Yeah, you would all oh, the gray you got. <laughs> I don't have gray. I've just rubbed against a chalkboard earlier. So um, secondly, it has to be three to four years old. An older animal could be used, but a younger animal couldn't be used. Hmm. So it must be free of any kind of internal or external defect or blemish. And uh, lastly, it has to never have been used for any type of physical labor. Never been placed under. So this this heifer is born. That what What's going on right now, they are trying to raise heifers. There's a, a farm in, in Texas right now mm-hmm. that is trying to raise red heifers from birth mm-hmm. for this purpose. Yeah. Never putting them to work, never letting them do anything other than just being raised and fed and, and you know, uh, yeah. attempting to find this one perfect heifer. And they actually, there's been two instances uh, in, well, I say recent times, the last 30 years, uh, 25 years, that they thought they had in 1997 and in 2002, they thought they had the red heifer. But under closer and further inspection, they found that it was not. Perfect and without
0: mm-hmm. uh, Though Those those qualifications are very significant because of what the shadow or the type that it presents in the New Testament. And I know we'll get to that in just a minute as well. Uh, I was watching a video on YouTube, and I'm sure you can you can YouTube it. But there were there were five red heifers that were brought from Texas to Israel to Jerusalem as they arrived, and the uncrating of these heifers they there were priests that were singing a song that was I don't know I don't know if it's in the scripture and it was could, those
1: that have brought about this this correct this uh yeah. newsworthy instance
0: yeah. yeah yeah that's exactly right and the, but they were singing a song whether it's been written outside the time of the bible or what but it was a song basically saying the red heifers are here we're getting ready to do sacrifices because the sacrifice is supposed to bring in something right
1: yeah it's supposed to be uh, the ushering in of the third temple
0: yeah in preparation in for
1: preparation for the coming of king messiah
0: king messiah that and that's how they say it right yes. because they're that's looking for they a governmental it, yeah. leader just as well S- same thing perspective wise as the the connection from the old testament to the new testament. in the gospels they were looking for jesus to be more than just a mm-hmm. lamb slain before the foundation of the world the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sin of the world. They expected him to be the king, the living king on a living throne on earth. And so, you know, one one thing that, that they miss is that Jesus is the is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He's already come, and he's coming again. So in, in Judaism, I think what they're looking for is the ushering in of the Messiah. What we see it as is the second coming. This right. it is it's right. as important to the second coming of Jesus. And we're we're not we're not on this show today debating, um, you know, what does it mean uh, chronologically for Christ to return? Some people are, um, you know, they, they believe that Christ comes in a rapture sense before tribulation comes. Some are mid-trib, some are post-trib, some are millennials, Some don't believe in a millennium. There's a lot of things that are thrown into that, but but we just stand on this today that Jesus is coming back. There are significant events that have to happen for Jesus to come back, and we believe these are some significant events. Yeah. So we were talking earlier, also a little bit on the uh, pre-show. What what is what is the deal with the priest and the helper of the sacrifice getting dirty in their in their in their? I mean, it's a service, right?
1: Yeah, and yeah. If you as I was reading those scriptures, and and it, when I was reading this the other day, and I, me and Eli were talking about this Monday night it it was kind of weird to me that you know the priest that is overseeing this the 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 person that is actually uh doing the burning of the heifer uh and then the person who you know they they are both made unclean by this mm-hmm. uh and so um it's weird yeah. because this is a cleansing ritual yeah you know and so then they have to get somebody who is ceremonially clean to come in and remove the ashes because these other two guys are already unclean. unclean. Yeah. So they have to then find a third guy that's ceremonially clean to come in, remove the ashes from the city or from the camp, take it outside of the camp, which makes that person unclean.
0: Yeah. And and I don't think we just have a whole lot of understanding of scripture behind why that is. Um, Why would, and this is what we're talking about earlier, Why would a sacrifice meant to bring purity make the one who's who's doing the sacrifice impure? I I don't want to assume things uh, because I, I think we can sometimes create doctrines with assumptions. But the very next, if we're holding that in the context, verse 11 and following talks about how you should respond after you've touched something dead. And maybe that's a part of the law. They've touched something that has died, and therefore they need to now be ceremonial cleansed, and that's washing their clothes and washing their body. And so maybe that's what it means is they've, they they've, and and again, like we were talking earlier, you know, we don't want to assume that they were technically pure beforehand ceremonially we know that they well, were if probably... They were, if they pure. were here
1: beforehand, they wouldn't be need to be doing this purification sacrifice. Yeah,
0: that's know? what I'm saying. So there's, there's so many different um, physical versus spiritual aspects to this. And I think in the Old Testament, they they obviously focused. God gave them the description of what to do physically. Mm-hmm. But you remember in the book of Hebrews, it talks about the Old Testament being types and shadows right, of, of everything right, that was right. done uh, in the Old Testament. So um, the, the I think... You know, there's, like I say, we could make assumptions of what that means, how come he had to be cleansed after he did something that was supposed to bring cleansing, and maybe what we're trying to do is blend the spiritual point with the physical point, and God saying, in a practical sense, well, you've got blood and dirt and guts and everything else on your hands, yeah. and you need to just oh, be yeah, clean you <laughs> so you don't spread disease, but then in another spiritual sense... Um, you know even even when Jesus died on the cross, what happened? He was buried, he was laid to rest for three days, so there was a time after his death, a period of rest, and then the resurrection happens. Mm-hmm. so maybe that's the significance of it, and like i say i don't want I don't want to try to form some other uh, doctrine or teaching because we don't have a whole lot of it, but what we do have an understanding of is Hebrews chapter nine verse thirteen and fourteen it says For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkled the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And of course, the whole reason that we're talking about the significance of the red heifer well, being reinstituted in, in in Jerusalem right now for the sake of the third temple and the ushering of the Messiah. But the reason we're talking about it is because it always points back to Jesus anyway, yes. right? And I mean, it's, it's pointing back to Jesus. The red heifer, the third temple, watched a, an hour-long video the other day on a couple of guys who does a lot of Q&As in Jerusalem. Uh, they interview uh, scholars, uh, Jewish scholars, Christian scholars, and and they were trying to find out where the actual third temple would be built, what mount would it be built on? Of course, there's the traditional temple mount. Uh, There is uh, the northwest corner uh, where the Romans came and and built a, uh, for lack of better terms, guard station to where they could either have 600 or 6,000. It's kind of dispute on the actual term that was used that would describe how many soldiers would be at that place. Or if the third temple would be built on the city of David. Uh, which is south of the Temple Mount. And they say that they've archaeologically seen foundations of a temple there in the city of David. And so, you know, whatever it is, I think the Jews, number one, I think they know. (laughs) They may not be describing it to everybody exactly where and how and all that kind of stuff. But, But even in that, even in that, um, yeah, obviously they
1: have a plan in place if they're, you know, they're bringing the red heifers in.
0: They definitely know. have a plan in and everybody place. Everybody keeps
1: thinking because, you know, the, the the place where the Temple Mount, you know, is now got a mosque on it, right?
0: Yeah, so the Temple so, Mount's huge. Most of it is nothing but concrete slab. And then there's a mosque on one end, and there's another dome-looking thing on the other end, and I'm not sure exactly what that is.
1: Yeah, so some people are saying, well, they, they can't build a temple because there's already something there. Mm-hmm.
0: No, they, there's there's plenty of content. Yeah, there.
1: they they got they got a plan.
0: As a matter of fact, in the video I watched, they showed the diagram, the the, the the floor plans of the third temple. They already have it mapped out. And of course, I mean, I'm, I'm 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 not there. I haven't physically seen these and touched them. But I'm I'm just going on the resource that I have. Um, they, they say that the Ark of the Covenant is under the Temple Mount, which still belongs to the Jews. Mm -hmm. Uh, because a portion of the Temple Mount does belong to Islam. And so they say the Ark of the Covenant is in there. Inside the Ark of the Covenant is the ashes of the last red heifer because they have to be mingled with the next red heifer to make this significant. So that's in the Ark of the Covenant. And so once they get the temple built, and then they make their sacrifice, mixing the ashes of the most recent ones they have, the tenth that will be sacrificed, with the ninth, the last one, years and years and years ago, that was sacrificed, then at the merging of that, supposed to be the ushering in of King Messiah. So I think maybe it will be the ushering in of King Jesus, the Messiah. Yeah. In his second coming. The
1: second coming. They're looking for the first. we We've already seen the first. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it all points to him. Yeah, uh, amen. Even when I was reading Numbers 19, all of that, that was Jesus. You know, I mm-hmm. uh, Sacrifice without blemish. You know, Jesus was mm. the perfect, spotless Lamb of God. Sacrifice without blemish. They had to take the 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 ashes outside of town. Jesus was sacrificed outside of the camp. You know, mm-hmm. outside of Jerusalem. Uh, Man,
0: it all points to Jesus, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. And so we Christians better start pointing other people to Jesus too. Right. I think that's the I think that's the conclusion of it. You know, we were talking. You know, we, we're answering culture's difficult questions with the Bible. This is the result of it. And and, and I think this would be the result of anything that you would question in an end-of-times manner because we can get so wrapped up with those things, uh-huh. and we can get so curious about them, and we can go on these rabbit holes and trails, and we can really get too far away from the main thing. And the main thing is as Christians, you better start acting right
1: because
0: yeah. <laughs> Jesus is coming. Yeah, normal, you better start-
1: normal ain't coming
0: back. That's right. That's Jesus, right. <laughs> Jesus is. That's what Greg shirt says today. <laughs> so did you get that after COVID, by the way? Yes. That is a response from COVID. Yes, yes, it is. Normal yes, ain't coming Normal back. Normally ain't coming back. Jesus <laughs> is. So I think we should be ready. I think we should be prayer-filled, scripture-filled. I think we need to be sharing the word every day, evangelizing, sharing the gospel. I think we need to be pointing people to Jesus and living right. Jesus is coming back for a pure and spotless bride. Mm-hmm. So. The one who cleanses us is coming for us. So we got to get ready. Got to get to work. Amen. All right. We hope you guys have been encouraged and challenged in thought. We hope we've taught a doctrine that may change your life and answer difficult questions from culture with the Bible. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us today on Unapologetic, a podcast of Embrace Ministries. We hope we have answered some of culture's difficult questions using the Bible, God's Word. Please help us get the word out about this new podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to call us at 601-469-2680 or you can email us at embrace.church
1: at yahoo.com.